0: All right, well, good morning. Welcome to brian We're glad that you're with us this morning. Uh, we want to extend a welcome to our friends that are watching online. Uh, no need to welcome Cincy and Bainbridge this morning. They have live preaching, but we're glad that you're with us. Um, if you are new, um, my name is Pastor Rick. Uh, Pastor Justin will be coming back next Sunday. He actually took a group down to Philadelphia uh, to check out a church that does Regal Cinema uh, Regal Theater Church. Any idea why he would do a thing like that? Yeah, the countdown's coming. It's, it's getting close. We're uh, September 11th is when we're going to do our first service down at Regal Cinema on Front Street. And so he's doing a little uh, investigation and, and asking some questions, out, just getting some ideas. So uh, excited to to have that moving forward, and I'm sure you'll be excited to have Pastor Justin back next week. As, and next week we're actually going to finish up this series. We're right now we're in the third week of this series called Faith Heroes, and we're picking out uh, certain heroes from Hebrews chapter 11, which is known as the Hall of Faith. As we as we start to get our thinking going for today's message, um, I want to use a sports illustration. I know some of you probably get tired of sports illustrations, but it's football season. Like, do you feel it? Like it's, it's coming, right? It's uh, Syracuse's first home game is September third. Um, the NFL is doing the preseason. All that stuff is just it's. It, it, if you're a football fan, it's an exciting time of year. So, I want to share with you about something that happened. It was on September twenty third, two thousand one. Going back a few years, but on that day the New England Patriots were losing to the New York Jets. How embarrassing, right? And Drew Bledsoe, who was their starting quarterback, a great quarterback, he tried to run for a first down and he got absolutely creamed by a Jets linebacker named Mo Lewis. In fact, his injuries it wasn't discovered until later. His injuries were actually life-threatening. He has he had internal bleeding. And so, here it is. here's the New England Patriots. Their their quarterbacks knocked out of the game. They trotted out this quarterback that not too many people knew anything about. In fact, here's here's his med and profile. Like if if you if you play a football game on your computer or on your your game console. Madden is the, is the premier game. And here's, here's what his profile looked like. Like, he was, he was such a nobody that he didn't even get a picture. There was no photo of what he looked like. And not only that, but like, his name isn't even listed. Like, he was just QB number 12. Well, those of you that know football know who I'm talking about. Tom Brady, Tom Brady that's right. Here's this unknown quarterback, drafted late, uh, was really like fourth on the depth chart, but for whatever reason, they trotted him out there. And even though he didn't come back to win that game, uh, he won five of the next seven games, and he never gave back the starting position back to Drew Bledsoe. So here's here's the crazy question you got to ask with that, right? What if? Like, like, what if Drew Bledsoe had never been injured? Now, it, as Buffalo fans, maybe you hate Tom Brady, okay? I get that. But like, he's had a pretty amazing NFL career. But what if? What if Drew Bledsoe never got hurt? What if Tom Brady never came in and filled that role? Would, would Tom Brady have been like a a backup quarterback that wandered from team to team? Would the New England Patriots have won so many Super Bowls? And I know that you know rubs the, the bill spans the wrong way, but but what if what what if that hadn't happened? Well I want you to keep that thought in your mind as we look at the story of Moses. So we're going to be in Hebrews chapter eleven. If you're using a chair Bible, it's page 972. 972? And you're welcome to keep that chair Bible if you need another copy of God's Word or if you have never had your own Bible. like Here's a great opportunity to take that as a gift from us. So Hebrews chapter 11, the hero of the faith that we're looking at today is Moses. So we're going to start at verse 23. Now, if you're just joining us for the sermon series, we talk about faith, it's the, it's the ability to put trust in God for the things that are unseen. We, we have to understand that God is faithful and we trust Him to do the things that He said He's going to do. That's faith. And so here we are, we're looking at Moses. We're looking back at the, the story of Moses. And it actually begins with his parents. In verse 23, it was by faith that Moses' parents... "...hid him for three months when he was born. They saw that God had given them an unusual child, and they were not afraid to disobey the king's command. It was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He, he was brought up, he was raised in Pharaoh's court, but he chose, he chose to refuse to be called a son of Pharaoh's daughter." He chose instead to share the oppression of God's people, the Israelites, instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt. That's a fascinating statement, right? Because he had no idea who Jesus was, right? This is thousands of years. But by faith, He was looking forward to something he hadn't seen, something he wasn't going to see by faith. And for that, he was looking ahead to his great reward. Verse 27, it was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He kept right on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. It was by faith that Moses commanded the people of Israel to keep the Passover and to sprinkle blood on the doorposts so that the angel of death would not kill their firstborn son. It was by faith that the people of Israel went right through the Red Sea as though they were on dry ground. But when the Egyptians tried to follow, they were all drowned. And it was by faith that the people of Israel marched around Jericho for seven days, and the walls came crashing down. Faith. The the ability to see and trust in God for the unknown, the unseen things. And, I mean, you look at what it describes there in Hebrews chapter 11, and Moses was a great man of faith. But listen, it wasn't always that way. So if you would join me in Exodus chapter 4, Exodus chapter 4, we, we, we'll, we'll follow a story that kind of exposes both sides of our hero, Moses. Exodus chapter 4, it's page 49 if you're using one of the chair Bibles. And we're jumping right in the middle of this conversation between Moses and and God, maybe you've heard of the story of the burning bush. This is it. This is, this, we're jumping right in the middle of that conversation. God uses a burning bush to catch Moses' attention. The, the fire doesn't consume the bush, and it draws Moses' attention to there, and then God begins to converse with him. And, if, and, and as you look back in, in chapter 3, and I would encourage you to go spend some time in this, In chapter 3, you see that God is calling Moses. He's asking Moses to be the deliverer, to redeem the nation of Israel, to to take them out of bondage. God heard the cries of his people, and he wants Moses to be their leader. And Moses isn't having it. (laughs) Like, Moses is just like, no way, it's not me. Like, no, 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 there's got to be somebody else. And so we're jumping right into the middle of that. In fact, you can see that in verse 1 because it says, but Moses protested again, right? This is not the first time that he's protested. This is maybe the fourth time now. Moses protested again, and he said, what if, what if, what if they won't believe me or listen to me? What if they say the Lord never appeared to you? So then the Lord asked him, what's in your hand? A shepherd's staff, Moses replied. Throw it down on the ground, the Lord told him. So Moses threw down the staff and it turned into a snake. And Moses jumped back. No kidding, really? Then the, then the Lord told him, reach out and grab its tail. Now listen, that's not the normal instructions of how to handle a snake, right? But Moses reached out and grabbed it and turned back, and and, and the snake turned back into a shepherd's staff in his hand. So perform this sign, the Lord told him. Then they will believe that the Lord, the God of their ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, really has appeared to you. But the Lord didn't stop there. He said, The Lord said to Moses, Now put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand inside his cloak, and when he took it out, his hand was white as snow with a severe skin disease. I don't know. It could be anything, but, you know, here, here's this crazy, like he put his hand in, his, everything is fine, puts his hand in, comes out, and it's diseased. Now put your hand back into your cloak the Lord said. So Moses put his hand back in and when he took it out again, it was healthy as the rest of his body. And the Lord said to Moses, if they do not believe you and are not convinced by the first miraculous sign, then they will be convinced by the second sign. And if they don't believe you or listen to you, even after these two signs, then some of the water from the Nile of river, take some of that water, pour it out on the dry ground. And when you do, the water from the Nile will turn to blood on the ground. So, the Lord's given Moses three different miracles that he can use to prove to the people of Israel that he really spoke to God and God has called him. After all of that, after, after three amazing miracles, and God telling him, You're going to be able to perform these miracles again in front of the people to prove who I am and prove that you're called. Verse 10. But Moses pleaded with the Lord, "Oh Lord, I'm not very good with words. I never have been, and I'm not now. Even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. Then the Lord said to Moses, Who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak, hear or do not hear, see, Or do not see? Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you in what you say. Okay? God's given him three amazing miracles. God's given him the assurance that he will be present with him. He will go with him. Verse 13. But Moses again pleaded, Lord, please. Send anyone else. Then the Lord became angry with Moses. All right, he said, what about your brother, Aaron the Levite? I know he speaks well. Oh, and look, he's on his way to meet you right now. A divine appointment, right? He will be delighted to see you. Talk to him and put the words in his mouth. I will be with both of you as you speak, and I will instruct you both in what to do. Aaron will be your spokesman to the people he will be your mouthpiece and you will stand in the place of God for him telling him what to say and take your shepherd's staff with you and use it to perform the miraculous signs i have shown you wow what i mean what a crazy story here is here is moses objecting over and over and over again he's rejecting god's call in his life he's saying what if what if they respond this way? What if this happens? I'm not good enough. I can't speak. He has all these objections, right? And it, and it goes back to that phrase, what if? He, he asked that twice. What if? Now, here's the, here's the thing. You see, Moses was struggling with what his position was with God. Moses, Moses was struggling with who he was. If you, if you follow the story of Moses, you know that Moses killed an Egyptian out of anger. He saw this Egyptian beating one of his Israelite brothers and he took matters into his own hands. He saw the oppression of his people and it made him angry and he took it out on this Egyptian. And when he realized that this was a known thing, it wasn't something that done, he had done in private, in secrecy, nobody knew. It became, if it was a known thing, he fled, he ran away. In fact, he, he ran away to the wilderness and started working as a shepherd for his father-in-law. I mean, you don't get much lower than that. Working as a shepherd for your father-in-law. But that's... That's where Moses, the prince of Egypt, the the one who was was raised up in Pharaoh's courts, the one who who God had plans for, he ran away, he was hiding, he was going back to the mundane things of life. And in fact, you can see that in the things that, that God used as illustrations for him. The first thing that God pointed out was, use your shepherd's staff. Again, a reminder to Moses of where he was at, not where he used to be. You see, he used to have a royal scepter. He was in the king's court, but now he had a lowly shepherd's staff. And then God used his cloak, he, he had a, a humble shepherd's coat. And God said, Stick your hand inside the cloak. Again, a reminder that Moses was a shepherd. You see, it was a shepherd's cloak, not royal robes. Moses was being reminded by God of where he was. But here's the thing. God wanted to use him. In fact, I think the first principle that we can take from this is this. Don't project your past into your potential. Don't project your past into your potential. Just because you've made mistakes in the past doesn't mean God can use you moving forward. This really is the overriding principle that we're seeing through this whole series, right? It doesn't matter whether it's Rahab or or Abraham or whoever. It, it, It has to do with how you see yourself versus how God sees you. And yes, we we believe the depravity of man. We we understand that we're all sinners and that even after we put our trust in Jesus, we struggle with sin. There's that there's that struggle within our old nature versus our new nature, the the power of the Holy Spirit in us. We have that struggle. But listen, God sees you in the holiness of his son, Jesus Christ. If you have put your trust in him, that that is the position. And that is what God sees as he looks at you. Here's Moses going, what if, what if I'm not worthy? In fact, if you go back to, to chapter three, you see that God says, you know, here's what I want you to do. And, and Moses' first response is, who am I? And God's response to that is, I am. It doesn't matter who you are. It matters who God is and how God sees you. So listen, don't, don't say that you are not sure of what you're supposed to do. You're not willing to do what God has called you to do because of your past. God is looking at you and He's saying, you have potential. You have, you have use for the kingdom. I want to use you for great things. But you notice, there's another word there that Moses had with his questions. He not only just said, what if, but he said, what if they? What if they don't believe me? What if they say, I didn't really have an audience with God? You see, the I think some of us struggle with not only our self perception as far as seeing and focusing on our past and seeing ourselves in a certain way but but we're also too sensitive about what other people think like it doesn't matter what they think it doesn't matter how they see you it matters how God sees you so don't let your past Reflect into your future, don't let it project into your future. God can use you just like he used Moses just like he used Rahab, just like he used Abraham. but I think there's another there's another principle here that we can look at because as as you look at the life of Moses, Bible scholars like to divide his his life into three periods of 40 years he lived 120 years and, and 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 so they'll look at 40 years then 40 years and then 40 years do you realize that moses was going through preparation for what god had him to do for almost 80 years of his life like we lose patience when when we put our popcorn in the microwave and it takes more than 2 minutes 80 years. Can you imagine? But that's the time that God was using to prepare Moses to accomplish the great things that we see in Hebrews chapter 11. So I think the the next principle that I want you to see is this, that often the preparation is more important than the performance. You see, it's what God wants to do in you that is more important, perhaps, than what He wants to do through you. Yes, the, the, the final result, the, the performance of, of doing God's will is an important thing, but God wants to work in you in preparation of that. In fact, I think, I think the, the greatest example of that for, for us today, to, like something tangible for us to see, is to look at the, the Olympic Uh, athlete Usain Bolt. Some people say that he is the fastest man on earth. But when you think about the preparation versus the performance for him, like he would spend four years in preparation for an Olympic event. He would spend four years of of training and and, and controlling his diet and, and running and working hard for less than 10 seconds of performance. In fact, if you were to take all the hours and days that he spent over four years and compare that to his entire Olympic performance, like all the pre-trial races, everything that, that would go into running in the Olympics, he would, he would actually be on the track for less than 325 seconds, five minutes. But yet he spent hours and hours and hours in preparation. You know what? Sometimes our faith journey is the same way. Sometimes God is working in us and he is preparing us for something. And sometimes we've just got to be patient and allow God to work in our hearts and in our lives. And prepare us for those moments of faith. The last thing I want you to see is this. All this happened in Moses' life, and you can see the growth and projection that Moses went through. Because if you go to just a few chapters forward in Exodus 13, you see that God says to Moses, my presence will go with you, I will give you rest. Just like he had promised in chapter 4, I'll be with you, I'll give you the words to say. God said, my presence will be with you. But instead of his response, Moses' response in chapter 3 and chapter 4, you know, like, who am I? I'm not the one. Send somebody else. What if, what if, Moses' response is now, if your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. Yes, I'm willing to go, Lord, as long as your presence is with me. And so the last principle I want to share with you today is this, that the presence of God in the present produces powerful faith in the future. Being being in the moment and recognizing God's presence, God's power today helps us to have the faith to grow and to go forward and to accomplish great things. In fact, we have something that Moses didn't have access to. We have the power of the Holy Spirit. Scripture tells us that, that after the day of Pentecost, that the Holy Spirit came, and that if you've placed your trust in Jesus Christ, if you've made a commitment to be a Jesus follower, that you are possessed with the Holy Spirit, God is within you, God is present with you. In fact, it says, greater is he that is in you than he is that is in the world you see that presence of God sometimes we get so focused on the performance we get so focused on doing ministry that we don't take time out to bask in the presence of God you know sometimes sometimes we just we've got to we we've got to set aside all of the activity and we've got to we've got to have silence and solitude and be in God's Word and be in prayer and just enjoy the presence of God. Because it is that relationship and it's that presence of God that that helps us and prepares us. Again, it's, it's God working in us in preparation of being able to work through us. And you know, you can see that play out in Hebrews chapter 11. Because the last two verses I read to you, you notice it didn't say in that by faith Moses. It said by faith the people of Israel. You see, Moses had a future impact. The faith of Moses had an impact on the next generation. The faith of Moses had, had influence on those around him. But it didn't happen overnight. It was a process of recognizing the presence of God. You know, sometimes we get really hung up on trying to understand or determine the will of God. Like, where, is, where, where does God want me to go next? Where, what's God's plan down the future? And you know, I think this is a reminder, just like with Abraham. Moses really didn't know for sure where he was going. He was just following God's command. He was being willing and obedient. And just like Abraham, who, who left a land to, to go to a promised land that he had no idea, but by faith, he followed God. Sometimes we've got to be the same way. In fact, I love this quote by Stephen Furtick. It says, knowing who is with you is more important than knowing where you're going. We want, we want to know like what the destination is. We want to know, you know, God, what is your will? What what's the next step? What's the step after that? And sometimes God says, "You know what? I just want to I just want to enjoy your presence right now. I want to prepare you. I want, I want to work in you. We'll get to that later. Understanding the presence of God. But see, our natural tendency, and mine mine too, is to ask God, what if? What if that doesn't work out? What what if what if it what if that isn't what your perfect will is? What what if what if people don't listen to me? What what if people point out my past failures? What if what if? You know when you When you think about that phrase, it's often a very negative phrase. Right? Like when we look at the the life of Moses, like what if, what if Moses had not obeyed? What if Moses had kept rejecting and 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 protesting about God? What if? I mean, think about the implications of all that, that God did through Moses. What if Moses didn't obey? What what if Moses didn't leave, lead the nation of Israel out of bondage? What if Moses didn't do all the things that God used him for? I mean, when you think about it, the entire thread of Scripture, of the story of hope, the fact that, that Jesus was to come and live on earth and die for our sins... All of that was was built upon, was dependent upon what God did through Moses. Now, you could argue that God would have used somebody else, and I'm sure that's true. But what if? What if Moses had not obeyed? He certainly wouldn't be in this Hebrews chapter 11, hall of faith, would he? But there's, there's also a positive aspect to that phrase, what if? Like, what if, what if you allowed God to use you? What, what if you allowed God to work in you in preparation of using you in the future? What if? What if, what if God does some amazing things in you and through you? What if? Are you willing Are you obedient? Are you willing to allow God to prepare you and to work in you? What if? What if you did? What could God accomplish through you? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? As we get prepared to... uh, pray together. I just want to challenge those who have never made a decision to follow Jesus. Like the story of Moses is a is a great example. You you may have you you may have heard the, the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ many times before, but but you've had objections. You've had you've protested. Maybe today. Today is the day that you stop protesting. And by faith, you accept this gift that God has given you. God wants to have a relationship with you and He gave His only Son so that you could have that relationship with Him. But if you're a Jesus follower, the lesson from Moses is to not question what if, but to To simply put our trust in God and have be willing and obedient servants of Him and let Him do His work in us in preparation so that He can do work through us. Are you willing to make that decision today? Are you willing to, as a as a follower of Jesus, are you willing to make that decision every day? God, use me. I know. I know I've made mistakes in the past. I know I'm not the best equipped person. But yet, God, I want to be used by you. It is my hope that that's your prayer. Our gracious God, we we come before you this morning. We are humbled by your presence, We we are humbled by your holiness. But yet, we're excited. By the fact that we can have a relationship with you, that you that you are present with us, and it's by your power that you can accomplish great things. God, it's not us. We know, we know it's not our great skill sets or abilities. But God, we want to be used by you to accomplish great things for your kingdom. God, may you prepare each one of us to accomplish great things for you. And I pray this all in Jesus' name, amen.